Welcome to the Character Arc Podcast. My name is Richard Bertelson. And I'm Ted Hong. Every week we talk about a movie that we just saw, and this week we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. You have the list of people that were in this movie, Ted. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I'm, I'm reading it? Okay. This movie was directed by John Watts. Writers were Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, based on characters of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Those are the only people that matter. All right, so uh, how this is going to work is that we are going to each give a brief synopsis of the film, and then we're going to go into a more general discussion, and at the end we'll propose some changes if we were the ones making the movie. How do you feel about the synopsis? You want to go first? Sure, I don't really have anything groundbreaking, but thespian magician tricks kid into forfeiting expensive sunglasses to him. Thespian magician willing to kill kid over designer brand sunglasses. (laughs) Those were some nice sunglasses. Yeah. My synopsis is 16-year-old boy tries to get laid in Europe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually want to let our audience know that this this is a very special listen. Ted has... In undying love for Spider-Man, and he is very... I'm not sure what he felt, because we don't talk about whether or not we like the movie first, but I do know from seeing five other Spider-Mans with Ted, or talking about it afterwards at least, that he can be very critical. Um, <laughs> things have to be... Nah. Things have to be just just like the Spider-Man he dreamed of. Well, <laughs> I, will, I will concede. The first time... Okay, so with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man... The first one that I watched, I remember, okay, I was dating someone at the time, and she had told me that the lines were super cheesy, and she laughed out loud, and I was, I was super insulted. I was like, no, no, this movie is Oscar-worthy, but it totally wasn't. You, I, that's probably not a popular opinion for people who love the Raimi Spider-Man. And that is the sole reason you guys broke up, right? Yep, right then and there. We are just like, no, never again. I don't know. It has to be a certain way. I, I, I will... It's, it's, it's a character you love very much. There's very nothing much so. wrong with that. I will go first in giving my opinion of this movie, though, because I actually thought it was fine. It <laughs> I was, knew you were just going to... It was kind of... It, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought that there's some good stuff. But I also felt like it was a Marvel movie, like all the other Marvel movies, except like the mediocre ones, not like the really good ones, because there are really good ones. And this is not a really good one. I didn't feel like it was. You you don't know a good movie if it hit you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I, I thought it was, it's a well-made movie, but it never felt all that pressing to me what was happening. Really? It was a bunch of, it was mostly a teenage romance with like three decent action scenes put in there, but even them, four decent action scenes. Which, by the way, there's some stuff about that that I absolutely love. Uh, actually, I will say, I won't reveal it until later, but this does actually involve one of my favorite scenes in any Marvel movie I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, for me, okay, compared to Homecoming, this definitely stepped it up a notch. It was a little more, um, I felt like there was more at stake. Okay, so I have to say, so the whole MCU, Spider-Man, that version... They've obviously taken some creative liberty, changing characters around and including certain characters. First, I wasn't on board with it, but this one, I guess I've kind of grown. It's grown on me. Yeah, because, you know, with MJ being a different character. Although, I do kind of like this rendition of her. I liked her. I actually liked um, her a lot. Um, um, she was more proactive. I, I hope, 
kind of like the Spider-Man PS4 game for MJ, where she is more an investigator kind of role. That kind of gives more reason for her. It gives her more of an active role. She's not always kind of relegated to being saved all the time. A damsel in distress, that that bothers me. So I like that she's kind of doing things, right? Mm-hmm. She has an active role. She's well-prepared, um, very observant. Even even the reveal where she figures out he's Spider-Man, I mean, it does kind of fall in her lap a little bit, but she does figure it out. It's not like Peter just comes to her and is like, I care about you and I have to be honest with you. It's that she she figured it out. She And it wasn't that it was super obvious. I mean, it, as she says, it kind of was. But that's true with any superhero movie. That's, their identities never... It, it's kind of baffling that anyone would know pretty much anyone's identity, just given all this stuff. But it, it but it, at least this movie let her piece it together. Right. Like she, it didn't treat her like a moron, mm-hmm. like some versions of like Lois Lane. Yeah. I mean, come on. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's right you next see. to you. Maybe he, he like blinded her temporarily. <laughs> I don't know, like... You know, like in Dragon Ball Z where they had to do the solar flare, like he did that to her eyes and she thinks she's seeing things, but really it's just an after image. That's ex- strangely detailed for what I just described. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Maybe Superman assaulted his girlfriend. Continue. Does... Let's talk about this movie, though. Yeah, okay. Let's go back to Spider-Man. I know. Actually, you mentioned uh, her. Like, I like that actress and I like the character. I didn't, like I said, I don't, I did not dislike this movie. I just didn't. It was just run-of-the-mill superhero to me, for the most part. There, like, again, there's there's scenes and stuff we'll talk about later that I really did love a lot. Uh, but the overall, I just was never, not never, but I wasn't like on the edge of my seat that for the whole time. That's for sure. Right. Uh, the end certainly got me going. But I liked MJ. She was, she's yeah, she's not like any time I've ever encountered MJ in any media. But I liked the character though. She was funny and weird. She was uh, first met with like. Not so, some good and some bad reactions because it's like they changed the character pretty drastically. Instead of Mary Jane, it's Michelle, I believe. I didn't even know um, that. But yeah, see. Uh, I never saw Homecoming, everyone. Yeah. I've seen Shame. seen five other Spider-Man movies, though. It's fine. <laughs> Six now. <laughs> um, but yeah, Homecoming was great. Um, there were certain elements to Homecoming that really stood out, but it was kind of like, I wanted to see more. There, there wasn't enough at stake. But here, this is what I mean. I felt like this one had more at stake because usually with, like, a villain or an antagonist, when they, when they make a threat and having them make a threat on someone that is actually... Um, so it's like saying, I'll kill everyone you love. That's kind of out there. That's kind of generic. But if I say, I'm going to kill Timmy, mm-hmm. poor little Timmy and his fucking crutches, and let's snap those legs again... That, that, that's more, uh, there's more of, um, it's more, uh, it's... I mean, the movie is more logical with this because, for one, Mysterio doesn't decide he's just going to kill someone that Peter Parker likes. Like, it's not, right. he's not just motivated by, like, I'm going to punish Spider-Man by killing someone he loves. He actually was going to kill them. Be- he's gonna, he was going to kill Ned and MJ because they knew the secret. It was for a very specific reason, and, and then it's a very specific threat, right. which is to say, I'm going to kill these two people for, these, for this reason. And so it's not just... He comes off as less of a cartoon character villain, although I would argue at other times in the movie he comes off very much as a cartoon character villain. I think that was almost intended. And uh, the word I was looking for, ladies and gentlemen, was uh, specific. (laughs) (laughs) It's very specific, yeah, instead of being broad. Because in Homecoming, that was kind of mentioned, but this one, the actual targets are, you can see them. They're specific. Mm -hmm. 
characters. And that's why I'm saying that's where the stakes are more involved. Because it's like, if you have this uh, this villain say, I'm going to destroy the whole world, well, it's kind of out there, right? right? You don't have any personal connection to it. Whereas this one is more, again, specific to particular characters. You can kind of see what's at stake. And they did a good job of setting up. I mean, they established very well. Um, this is the first full movie I've seen Tom Holland in as Spider-Man, but I've seen every appearance he's made in all the other Marvel movies as Spider-Man. Wait, before we go on with that, what's your, um, what have you experienced in terms of seeing Spider-Man? Apart from the movies you just referenced, any cartoon shows? I never regularly watch the cartoon show. I have seen the cartoon show. Um, I have read, I have never read Spider-Man directly through like a main line. I've read a decent number of comics with Spider-Man in it. Um, my favorite Marvel comic is Daredevil, and Spider-Man appears a lot in that. Um, he, Daredevil, appeared first in a Spider-Man comic, and so he's in those a lot. I've read, so I've read crossover events like that. I've read a lot of Venom, so sometimes Spider-Man's in that. Although most recently, it was the Miles Morales that I read a lot of Spider-Man in Venom. But I've not read a regular run of Spider-Man comics. Okay. Well, this was more of a preface because I was going to say, how is, how do you feel with his rendition? How do you feel with Tom Holland? Being... I like Tom Holland a lot. Yeah. Um, I think that one thing that I think that the first the first reboot of the Spider-Man series did better than the original series was bring him closer to being a teenager. And I think that this movie does a, even a better job of that. Wait, are you saying with Andrew Garfield? Yeah. Okay. Just the first one of those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not the second one. It's like they're progressing to getting him to be more and more... It differentiates him from, him from all the other superheroes. He is a child. And I like, I like that. I like that he's different. One of the most touching scenes in the Avengers films to me is when he vanishes in Infinity, Infinity War. War. Mainly because Tom Holland can convey that... He conveys that frustration and that fear... And that confusion and that awkwardness that comes with being a young person. Quite well. That is yeah. very, it, it makes him believable and it makes him different than all the other Marvel superheroes that are on screen right now. Yeah, there are a lot of subtleties in how he conveys those. And like the little gestures, the his eyebrows dancing or his uh, double takes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, a, he's definitely very good. He's a good actor and he's very good in this. I'll add that even, um, I feel like, this is a better representation of kids uh, than in previous installments. So, like, with Raimi, it's it's so over the top with, this is a bully, this is the jock, mm-hmm. this is the, the nerd. And then the next one uh, with Amazing Spider-Man didn't quite also cross over. Uh, he's supposed to be an angsty, angsty skateboarder that's an outcast. It's just like, I don't know, it's like someone's like, this is how kids are, right? Yeah, it'll... They'll little, little relate. relate. This one, yeah, I thought it was a little bit more um, accurate. I think that's true, and that gets to the, one of the reasons why the movie didn't engage me super well is because I don't care about the drama between 16-year-olds. <laughs> it, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the way the story was written, really. It definitely was acted well. It's just that pretty low-stakes romance stuff, and I want to hang out with my friends. It's just not that engaging it's but it's just... contrasted with what happened at the end of Endgame. okay you know? i mean i he get has... i get that he wants a break but i still don't care about the lives of 16 year olds i just don't i mean fair enough fair enough i'm not trying to find more reason i'm just saying with him in particular he's gone off and it's like certainly better war... than the story of iron man 3 where tony stark had 
a very poor representation of PTSD that's probably insulting to people with PTSD. This is more, at least this was a natural response for a teenager that felt like a natural response for a teenager. There's just, there's literally nothing the movie could do. It's not the movie's fault necessarily. I bet if you're a teenager, you think it's cool, but I just, I'm... Those kids down the aisle certainly did. It is all so not important, and it's because of, it's because of my age. It's not because the movie is written wrong. It's so just, <laughs> I am man. exactly twice Peter Parker's age in this movie. <laughs> and moving on. <laughs> I like the Avengery type stuff around it. I thought that was good. And I think he's a good character. I just, I would have liked a more weighty personal story to go along with the fighty fighty story, which was good. The, I that, think the fight and the action was good. This actually touches upon another point, but I'll, I'll get into this first. I think they were trying to avoid getting too dark, too emo-y, as with Amazing Spider-Man did, and yeah. did it in such a poor way. I think they dance on the line quite well. And it goes a little back and forth, and it's it's healthy enough to where you care enough and you're, you're involved, um, but it doesn't go so far off the one end on the spectrum. But see, if you wanted to have a lighter, a lighter story, that having a lighter story does not mean you don't have a meaningful story for people of all ages. I would point to you Shazam, which is a story that is light and funny, but that story, though that those feelings that those characters had of the the themes of friendship and belonging and family and rejection and abandonment and purpose permeated that in which in a way that I felt way more connected to those characters because it wasn't just about they were it wasn't just like what kids would care about whereas I feel like this was mostly just what a teenager would care about that was about things that everyone's experienced in their life and it's not that people haven't experienced a crush or wanted to go on vacation but you understand how those aren't that important in life whereas getting over feelings of abandonment or you know right I, I will agree, because uh, some of the points that he um, he was struggling with weren't necessarily poignant. I wish they kind of drove home more was his dealing with the loss of his mentor, and now he's also have he needs to step up. That was throughout the whole uh, movie. He was. But it wasn't, I feel like they could have done more with that. Yeah, and I mean, the scene with him and uh, John Favreau, where he actually addresses the fact that Tony's dead, and again, Tom Holland gives an excellent performance when he's just kind See, of breaking down a little really bit. that was really good. That was, that, was, that was a good, compelling scene that was well done. I don't know. Maybe there's a way to weave it a little more elegantly through a larger part of the movie. I know it was present in the whole movie. The movie didn't show me that that was his actual issue, even though I kind of know it was. But I know it was because I saw the other movie, not because this movie made it. I have an idea. The way they're, they're progressing with the movies is that they're leading up to the point to the Spider-Man that we already know. because And this is the point I was about to make, is that they're doing a lot of, like, subversion. The whole thing with, like, the Spider-Sense, I feel like they're... It's like avoiding mentioning anything of Uncle Ben, just as they're doing this with the Spider-Sense. It kind of it kind of bothers me, because, especially with the Spider-Sense thing, I feel like that was, like, a huge a metaphorical plot device. Because the whole thing was for him to kind of, like, trust himself. They, they mentioned that, or, you know, Aunt May even mentions that in the beginning. Just do what feels right, trust your gut, kind of a thing. And I think that's what was supposed to be that shining moment. It was already cinematic, and when he uses the Spider-Sense to kind of navigate through the corridor. But I think the case was... Wanting to see that sound. There's always a sound that is triggered for the spider sense. Um, it's different for every iteration, but it has to be there. Does, At it, least, does it have yes, to be there? It, it because I be did there. not miss it one bit. 
Like, in fact, when I said before, my favorite scene in any Marvel movie ever is that scene when he when he just uses it. It's not it's not, not not dramatically, but it's one of the coolest scenes. Just as an action set piece, it's kind of Matrixy, where he's obviously failed to navigate through these illusions that Mysterio creates at least two major times where it's pretty devastating for him. And then he just goes into that fugue state and just like plows through no, all of the drones. No, I think drones. that's fine. It was, it was fucking gorgeous. It was great. <laughs> and I loved it. And the fact that it didn't like make a ding didn't bother me. <laughs> I need that ding. That ding has to be there. This is what I was talking about at the beginning, guys. <laughs> it has to. Actually, I have a friend who also made a very good point and it's very, it's a nit- nitpicky point as well. He has mentioned that in the previous Spider-Man installments, Every time he shoots his web shooters, there's a distinct sound. But in this one, it's been kind of muted. Okay. They make a sound. It, they make a sound, but it's not as iconic, right? There's a there's a distinctive... I'm going to have to make the sound. <laughs> thwip. <laughs> there's a thwip sound. Like, okay, so the amazing in The Amazing Spider-Man, there's an electronic whir along with a thwip. But see, the thing... I think what this movie's trying to do is actually just update it for modern cinema because I think what they went with is probably fully work for a more realistic sound that that would make instead of trying to emulate that you said thwip, which I'm pretty sure is the exact letters spelled out in the comic yes, books. Yes, that is. And instead of emulating that because it's a nod, I think they're trying to just make it more re- like a more realistic sound. The same reason why that there's not like a notation sound when he uses a spidey sense because. Unless you believe that he really has that sound in his head, there's no reason for the audience to hear that sound. You know, the movie sets up so well, you know he has the sense. For one, you just know because you know, but also because the movie's addressed it, as you said, about as a problem that he's having. He, he's having some performance anxiety or whatever it is. And so when it works, you just know it worked, <clears throat> which is better cinematic language, Mr. Ted. You know this because you've criticized other movies we've talked about this way. Uh, yeah, yeah, better yeah. cinematic language is me knowing from what I, just from seeing the character do it, that that's what's happening instead of the instead of the movie telegraphing it to me because the doing the little ping or whatever any kind of sound uh, to, to note that Spidey Sense is working is telling me it's it's like oh hey this is we're not cheating I don't know about that see, but he it, he also uses it when he goes to see um, Nick Fury the first time to tell him that he when he realizes that Mysterio is a fraud yes and it's not we learn it's, it's not, not really overt, Nick Fury yeah it's not an overt way of showing it. But he does, we know he uses it then, and actually the movie makes like this uh, a buzzing yes. kind of sound. See, that's what I mean. Which makes more sense than a more elaborate sound, but I don't know if they made that same sound at the last scene or not, but also there's so many other sounds happening that you probably wouldn't hear a low buzzing, so you'd have to kick it up, and that'd be weird. I think it's okay. <laughs> like, it's not in any way where it's like, here, it's happening, that kind of a thing. Although, I guess I do want that. Hey, it's happening. <laughs> okay, there's a little bit of fan service that I think is necessary. That's great. I mean, hell, they brought back J. Jonah Jameson. And they picked J.K. Simmons to Which do is that. So, so that weird. is complete fan service that they brought back. So, so this universe is connected to that universe? The original trilogy universe? No. <laughs> hey, they had, they had Chris Evans play yeah, they sure the did. Human Torch. And then he became Captain America. Those are made by two different companies, though. Still. Sony did both of these movies with J. Jonah Jameson as, as J.K. Simmons. I'm okay with it. But I guess we'll, we'll try to get back on track. So one of the things that I like about liked about this one was that the whole idea with Peter is that he's kind of like this tortured hero. Everything is always against him. He's being framed for things. Anything he does is always being 
mistaken as something else and yet he still perseveres like the whole world is crumbling around him um and in this uh they did exactly that because okay so there's the end where people think he's the villain he does things and he makes mistakes and he always goes back to fix it so there's the case where he can't ever get what he wants so there was a case with brad also trying to get with mj having that picture taken and then he calls in the drone on accident <laughs> just everything he does it's just like he he tries to do it for the right reasons but things always happen in some way and in the end he does emerge victorious but not without some cost not without being beaten and battered uh, and i think that's 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 why people like it because there's a struggle that he does and still and where anybody else would be like well fuck this i don't want to deal with this anymore even though spider-man did kind of say that a couple times in this movie what fuck this i don't want to do this anymore well yeah well that's everybody <laughs> he's he's the he's the everyman hero you know no i agree with that i think that is an appeal to spider-man because he's not even though he has super strength and he's very smart he's definitely not this perfect performer at all times he doesn't always get it right. right and that does make him more relatable and i think that's where it helps that he's so young because that's something that everyone relates to especially in earlier years i mean throughout life in general of course but but especially in your teenage years and your early time. 20s and stuff where you're just kind of trying to figure out how to navigate life and it just seems like it never really goes your way it makes him a very very good character for people to put themselves in or yeah. to project themselves onto oh absolutely sorry this is a quick note it's just with uh, how they refused to even mention about Uncle Ben's involvement. There was a nod to it because his suitcase had Uncle Ben's um, initials, initials, which is nice. But still, I would, I know it's like it's beating them over the head because it's been done. That's that's. I think that's why they avoid that part of it. It's just because we saw the origin story, and it's when when Spider Man's been rebooted three times now. Everybody knows. It's it's happened every time, and the reboots aren't far apart. I mean, I'm glad. I mean, this is a sequel, and I didn't see Homecoming. I don't. I knew that he they didn't show the death again. I do. They never even mention they it. They never even mentioned it in the in yeah. The, I mean, Homecoming. It's such a key, such he, a it's such a key component to his character. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't mention it. At least I I definitely know why you wouldn't show it, but yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't mention they, it. They they've mentioned it in passing. But yeah, but th that's this is the point of like the whole subversion kind of thing because in the beginning, I'm, at least I didn't catch it. Why do they go on a trip to Europe? It's a it's a school trip. It's a science trip. Is it? That's they 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 literally their teachers call it a science trip, trip yeah. even though they they Nothing even note they late did. it. Then they even he even notes towards the end. I know we didn't do anything sciencey on this yeah. trip. It, I don't know what the science was going to be. They do mention one activity they're going to do on the first stop in Venice. Uh, oh, the Leonardo da Vinci Museum. So that's kind of science. He was an inventor and yeah, yeah. stuff but like that. The thing is, if you if you think back to when they first introduced that whole, that they're going on a trip, it goes from Betty Brant doing the news, the one other guy, and then it cuts to Peter sitting down, going over his plan for the trip. Mm -hmm. But we don't know why they're going on the trip. Yeah, but Europe. I think the movie does. I mean, you know, it's gonna be. They they say the the in the in the little school news broadcasts. They say it's the last day of school. So you could also. I don't think there's anything weird about not. Was it the last day of school? Because he says sh bullshit on this on the school uh, announcements, and she says don't say that, and he says it's the last day of school. It doesn't matter. The movie Is that does. What he said. I thought it was like yeah. we're a historic. 
or no. we're a scholarly I mean, that makes more sense he, it's it's noted to you that it's gonna be summer so yeah. they're going on a trip I mean I, I didn't I didn't feel like I needed anything else regardless okay. of see I didn't hear that that's that kind of makes more sense now <laughs> I was like how do they it is communicated just established it's not communicated to you that it's a science trip yet mm-hmm. but it's communicated to you that it's summer that's so, yeah yeah I, 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 I can follow that it's just that I didn't know what the trip was anyway that after kind of hearing that that kind of makes more sense uh, why don't we talk about mysterio how did you feel about well did you know much about mysterio previously i knew i knew knew the very basic concept of what he was i knew that i knew that he worked in illusions and that what he did what he did was not legitimate powers i knew that right the movie didn't shock me but also wouldn't shock any comic book fan probably or most see that was the thing and again with the marketing was that oh uh mysterio some other hero yeah yeah it was a superhero and for everyone that knew that was his origin story. He came off posing as a superhero. I think they really stayed true to the character. And I really, I absolutely loved it. I liked him. Um, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's a good actor. Uh, he's a little he's a little over the top, but I didn't think in a bad way. When he, when he first, reve- when he first the movie reveals to you that he was lying. But I think that was, um, I think that was intentional. No, I, I think so too. I think, it was, I think it was actually emulating a tech bro kind of like, because he has this confidence of how Trying great he is and stuff and um, how great the thing that they're doing is. And he's kind of blustery. Yeah, it's it's a little silly, but it comes off as just proving that his character is really up his own ass. And right. so and he's off. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes him unlikable in a way that he's supposed to be unlikable. Which is kind of odd because I, I kind of liked him being unlikable. Well, I mean, yeah, because yeah. he's he's a villain. Yeah. It's OK to not like him. <laughs> But I didn't, I didn't, here's the thing, I did not, I didn't, I did not not like him. You mean the character? Because you probably should not like him. <laughs> I liked him. I liked that he was he's... a little, he, I liked that he was vicious, that he's willing to kill a 16-year-old and his friend. That's not liking the character, that's liking the design of the character. <laughs> okay, I like the design I mean, of the character. I mean, like, Semantics. I, when I say don't like him, I mean... He's an asshole. Right, right. If I met him, I'd be like, yeah, this guy. No, I like the character. Like, I like the character in the sense of the way it's written. Right. But when I was saying that you, I was saying the speech he gives in the bar makes him an unlikable person. Oh, absolutely. But in a way that you're supposed to not like him. Yeah. And I also enjoyed the idea of how they reimagined his character in this. Like, it's still true to the comic books or just his, the character essence. Um, but they made it into Mysterio group. It fits it better. It goes back to the sort of the realism thing. Not that this is realistic in any way, but it does make more sense that if he's putting on that these huge productions, that he's got a team. Yeah. And it even shows them kind of practicing and rehearsing, which is mm-hmm. cool. Even the way that the drones worked and the illusions worked, no, again, it's out there, but... They made sure to prove that, like, it makes sense. It makes some sense. Because at first you're like, well, how do the illusions do all this stuff? But even when they sh- even when they revealed that there were drones inside the illusion, I was still like, well, how- there's water flying around and stuff like that. And there's, like, there's, like shock waves. But eventually it does show you it that the drones you. have these different tools on them that allow these things to happen. And so I was actually constantly impressed by the fact that I, even though I was like, oh, that's bullshit, but then the movie was like, no, it's not. And I was like, okay, it's yeah. not. Yeah, like, yeah, so I think this is a good example of the whole show-don't-tell thing as well because they could have been like, hey, these drones carry A, B, C, D, right? right? But instead, you're like, oh, I don't really fucking believe this. Oh, shit, okay, uh, I guess I could see that. Especially with, uh, like, at the at the end when they introduced the, the larger, the larger uh, illusion, 
and uh, the drones shot these pulse waves yeah. over into the, the pier or the bridge or whatever. Yeah, it showed it you how the water would yeah. like ripple and splash. It, and I was questioning that when they... Me too. After they, after they revealed that they were drones, I was like, well, how did they do the whole water thing over in, in Italy? You know, but, they did oh, a pretty yeah. good job. Yeah. Um, it's also cool, like as far as the speaking just of the villain, both the drones and Mysterio himself, they did a good job of being a, a villain with capabilities... In this case, the drones, he has no magical powers of any kind, but the drones and the drone army and the way that they work. That you, I legit was like, how is Spider-Man going to, how is he going to beat this? Which is a nice feeling to have in a superhero movie, particularly when sometimes the heroes in some comic book movies are just overpowered and it's very difficult for, for you to really get worried or curious about how they'll succeed. But this movie definitely did it for me, like especially when Mysterio creates his weird illusions where Peter's completely lost in them and has no idea what's going on. This is a really weird, oh. like psychedelic sort of scene, I, oh. but I enjoyed it. Um, it was and, such a great scene. Yeah. It, sorry, I'm going to cut you off real That's quick. Fine. It, I don't know if you ever saw the TV spot for the Spider-Man PS4 game. There was, I don't know who this guy is. I probably should. I've tried looking him up. Anyway, at the end, so there's this uh, TV spot. It's called a uh, B greater. So, you know, the, the PS4 game, uh, the, I guess the main villain, this is air quotes, is Mr. Negative. He gets knocked off a building and he kind of goes into his own self-doubting kind of thing. Um, and like the the background turns dark and he's fallen off the cliff and uh, there's all, a whole bunch of debris. And it, it cuts back from him going inside his own thoughts and into real time as he's falling. And as he's going down, um, some of the villains that you encounter in the game show up. So there's Shocker, Scorpion, Vulture. And as you're going down, he's they're pummeling him down. That sequence greatly reminded me of the sequence in the movie where he walks in with Nick Fury and he thinks he's with Nick Fury mm -hmm. and then it goes into his like this whole mind game yeah that reminded me of it it was beautifully done it was it was very cool and even just <clears throat> even when he does kind of figure out a way to get out of the illusions or at least shut them down at the sort of the final climactic battle even just the threat of the drones themselves without the illusions is still something that's very difficult for him to overcome mm -hmm. And so I, I will give it that uh, the whole way through. It was a good pairing. Like the villain was well matched for the hero and in the right kind of way where you were kind of wondering how it would work. And I even really liked the fact that when he was sort of caught in an illusion again, the thing that we knew that was set up from the beginning was how he got out of it. A power that we know he has, but he has some difficulty with right now was his sort of <laughs> his, his trump card. And even the very last, like when... He gets through it when it has that, that crazy scene where he goes through the corridor and then uh, Mysterio's on the ground and then you hear the gunshot and he just reaches out to the right and yeah. he was still an illusion. Before the gunshot. Just the 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 combination of the sound and the shot, not the not the gunshot, but the shot on screen, the the image and that sound effect. There was something deeply satisfying about that. Particularly because Peter has the most confidence he's ever had in that moment. And you that is something that Peter has a struggle with, is being confident yeah. in himself. But he is, Tom Holland plays that is, without really saying much of anything, you just know he is, he is certain that he is, he's up for the job right. and he's doing the right thing. So and that's a satisfying character it's moment. It's a very yeah. satisfying character moment. Yes, absolutely. Touching on the whole Mysterio thing, the whole facade, it's, I feel like, even the marketing department was kind of a little tongue-in-cheek because they led you to believe that he was this hero, and that's how it is 
for the main character too. You think he is as well. All It all changes. Everything is subverted. Everything is a surprise. Even up until that last moment. Actually, it's kind of funny because um, the scene where... You know, with Nick Fury is not really Nick Fury. They were there was a twofer. He thought he was out of the illusion, and then it revealed the truth. But mm. it was still an illusion. Right. Same thing for this one, where he got out of the illusion, but it was still in another illusion, mm-hmm. an illusion within an illusion. Some I Inception like style. And even then, Nick Fury was never actually Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> the rabbit hole goes deeper. <laughs> So, yeah, actually, I will, I do want to touch upon that point because there were some things that I thought was kind of odd for the character, for Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Because, well, Maria Hill, not so much. Um, I'm anticipating her, this is kind of, this is a little bit off topic, but I'm anticipating her kind of taking over Nick Fury. But it depends on how much people like Kobe Smulders. Smulders? I don't know how to say her last name. I will tell you that I have no problem with her, but I do not like that character or her in this movie or yeah. any of the Marvel movies she's not an she's, important no character. Yeah, she's not it's unfortunate <laughs> i wish they would kind of give her more yeah it's not her fault yeah. it's not the actress's fault it's just that's just how her character yeah. is right now but yeah there were some odd things like nick fury being like the most paranoid and he's got to have contingencies upon contingencies he's got front downs for his backups okay and <laughs> he he's in this room and he's in the hotel room and he's just revealing everything to peter and the door's wide open. Yeah, he you know? could have closed that door bef- that's, at first. That's not I, Peter closes it right. eventually, but exactly. I mean, but if you take it back to Winter Soldier, he knew he was going to be gunned down, and he already planned for that. But in this, he's just like, I was like, I thought it was kind of weird. It worked in the uh, like for comedic purposes. Yeah. But I thought I did think it was weird, and now it kind of makes sense. I thought because it was he wasn't like, Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't Nick Fury. It was just. Can we talk about the humor just really quick? I don't have a whole lot to say sure, about sure. it, which is that I the movie made me smile a couple times and chuckle a couple times, but I found that a lot of it, that's one of the things I had too. It wasn't that funny. Yeah. Even though the movie, it doesn't have to be, but the movie told jokes that I just mm-hmm. kind of, they were... They were safe, I'll yeah, say. They yeah. were safe. Because if you compare it to Shazam, right? I know you and I laughed a lot yeah. on that. And I did laugh they, at this one, but yeah. it was it was few and far between really i did like that they didn't go with like sort of conventional things that people would like for example for mj's character she liked the black dahlia because of the because murders. of the murder yeah and that that to me that sounds there are people who really are interested yeah. in that yeah and that that's it made her it made her feel more real because yeah. it was kind of a it wasn't unique as you noted but it's 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 unique but it's not out it's not unrealistic it's yeah. Un, yeah it's not unrealistic I want to talk about because we did kind of talk about action and stuff too a little bit. I, do you have more about Nick Fury or no? That, okay, okay. Um, I actually think the special effects. Obviously, the special effects for every Marvel movie are incredible. I actually, I don't know. You made a note when I put it on a thing. I'm not sure if you when I said I wanted to talk about the physics of the special effects. I actually think they're excellent. Um, really? Yeah. I knew that you thought I when that, I said you that like you it. thought they were. I was going to say they're crap. The way he. Especially when he's aerial, the way he bounces around when he touches things, it's so... I think if you look at some older Spider-Mans or any superhero where they're, like, running up things that are, like, crumbling rocks. It's almost effortless. It's, like, weird and floaty. Mm -hmm. He actually, like... There's a weight to it. He bounces. Like, there's an impact. And it's really hard to do with CG, especially... I mean, whoever animated him, because he's in the suit, he's animated most of the time, and the stuff around him paid a lot of attention to how things would how how they would react when they collided including him the things he collides with the things that collide with each other the drones 
and it really drew me into the action in a really cool way because I never felt like I was, even though I knew I was looking at CG, it, it, it all acted naturally in a way that didn't make me think about CG. It made me think about this is really happening, particularly because Peter does get kind of beat up when as right. shit's falling all around him and he's being thrown around. And so to see him like bend around like a stuff as he hits it or collide off each other made it kind of feel like it hurt, right. which is the feeling you should get because... Like when he bounces off the bridge suspension or when they do yeah. the pulse thing and a car flies into him and yeah. crushes him. That was rough, Whereas, yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of thing I'm talking about for Spider-Man, where it's like he's always just getting destroyed, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he still goes on. Like, he doesn't do it. He'll, he'll do the most amazing kind of, like, flippity flips, but <laughs> he'll still be hit, and he'll just, he'll, like, reorient himself and continue. And that's, I think that's one of my favorite aspects of Spider-Man, is that his his agility to adapt to things. Yeah, because that, that right there, what you just described, are the kind of moments I look for in terms of Spider-Man. Mm. And this is, I mentioned this to you earlier in Spider-Man 2, where the whole train scene, although physics be damned in that movie, there are some moments in that where you're like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> and that's what I wanted with, with Spider-Man. And I think that captured this well. So it's funny, when you were talking about the physics, and because I was kind of of the opposite opinion, I thought you were going to go with this was in the illusions, the first illusion sequence where he's inside the, the building. There mm. were a couple... I was very impressed by how they animated everything on the bridge sequence because it really... Sometimes I question, I was like, that, was that, did they actually film that? Because it looks <laughs> like... It looked really believable. But Are then you, there were sequences in the illusion inside the building where you could tell... I was like, am I... It looked very video game. Not I very. agree with that, but it didn't bother me because the scene was so ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't need it to look real, but okay. I agree with that. I mean, Peter Peter should look real. Yeah. And he looked it was good animation, but yeah, you could tell more clearly there that the Spider-Man was being was it was not Tom Holland doing any acting. I mean, maybe mocap or something, but but I guess because everything happening around him is so ridiculous that it... It just absorbs into yeah, it. Yeah, you're not comparing it to a real background or a real person standing next to it. So it kind of... It felt like it fit to me because everything happening is so clearly not real, I guess. I Yeah, I, I'm i on the same page as that. It did... Okay, it took me out of the sequence a little bit, but I was really... I still really love that scene because it, it just took me back to watching Spider-Man and playing the games. It was just like, oh, yeah, they're doing it right. <laughs> so I was surprised. I was most certainly impressed with that. Can we talk about the suit? Sure. I like it. Although, I don't know why the belt. I wish they would take the Spider-Man PS4 suit and somehow adapt it into the movie. Would you like them to adapt the video game into a movie? I would, absolutely. Because <laughs> that's what best, I'm hearing. <laughs> it is the best Spider-Man movie You've, you've mentioned the game a couple times. Yeah, I can't not. How could you not? <laughs> that captures everything. Honestly, I would advise you go to YouTube and just watch someone play the game. <laughs> go on Twitch or something. Just anything. Watch someone play the game. It's so good. But the suit. I'm trying to understand the reasoning for why they chose to have the belt around his waist the belt and this air quotes because there's really nothing you mean he has a design that differentiates his torso from his waist right yeah it's like i imagine because tom holland's kind of shorter they have it higher so it looks like his legs are longer 
I know it's a very nitpicky kind of thing, but I believe that might be the reason. I mean, that's the kind of thing that a costume designer would think about. Would have to think about, right. But in the scene where he's standing next to, in front of uh, MJ, and you just see him standing there, his... uh, I feel kind of embarrassed talking about this. His ass was just (laughs) huge. Um, But it's not because of his physique it's just the way the suit made it look because the belt was higher up on the waist so it's like you uh, i don't know why i'm admitting to this like i was like focusing on his ass <laughs> just to be like all right okay i see it i see the um but yeah like but i don't know why they have it so high up because if you look at okay for i think for andrew garfield's suit it wasn't as high but then again he's very tall and very slender so it kind of was proportional and then you go to toby mcguire his belt area is also higher. It, I feel like it should not be that high. Anyway, it's it just it it, it scratches at me. I don't know. This, this is what you guys got into. I warned you at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I know that I know that whenever a superhero uh, movie is released, people people do get into that kind of thing, like the design of the character, because the characters drawn a certain way or appears in cartoons a certain way or has appeared in previous movies a certain way. Honestly, I, I don't have a strong opinion. It's not that I don't think it's important. It's that I, I know that for a lot of people with these characters that they hold really near and dear to their heart, it just, it doesn't, I don't have enough of an opinion on, on the way his suit is done. I didn't notice any of this. I did. He, he looked like Spider-Man. Okay. That's all I noticed. I, I mean, mean I, even with the, the blue, the red and blue suit, it's still the same thing. I just... Like, but I'm that way with I. I mean, even even my two favorite superheroes, Batman and um, Daredevil. I, I, I mean, they're drawn differently sometimes too. Like, yeah. they don't all look the same in the comics either. And I've never seen one. I mean, yeah, like, hey, the George Clooney suit looks fucking dumb, but that whole movie's dumb. <laughs> but like, whenever whenever Christopher Nolan's came out, or when Ben Affleck's version came out, uh, Zack Snyder's version played by Ben Affleck. I never gave the suit a thought. Like it's he looks. You would if he, he looks had like his Batman. Underpants like. on the outside. <laughs> underpants. Oh, here's another thing. And I think if you had seen Homecoming, I think you would have added this point to this movie because in the in Homecoming, his suit actually comes on comes with an AI, and he named it Karen. So again, it's a very odd thing for that movie to have. For it's very outside of the Spider-Man character. Right. Because the whole thing is for him to kind of be on his own. Mm-hmm. And having that, I didn't quite like it. I think a lot of people didn't like it either. So I think, because if that was in this one, oh, it would have just complicated yeah, everything. He just had an, I mean, he had a suit with tech on it, but it, it not an AI or yeah, anything. Yeah, nothing that like had a full-on discussion with him. Although he did have an AI given to him by Tony Stark in the pair of sunglasses, yeah, which we can, we can would talk be about a... Edith horrifying power to give anyone even spider-man yeah what uh, does edith stand for again even even, de- dead. even dead i'm the hero yep yeah <laughs> um in case anyone didn't it controls a swarm of drones of that drones. have a lot of power and they come from space and they can they can it also hacks into any piece of technology in the anywhere i guess yeah that is like i mean that's an iron man thing in general which is that tony stark kind of is a, an arms dealer who has 
but who, t- who takes a turn and is like, no, people shouldn't have these weapons. Only I should have these weapons. <laughs> it's like someone designing a new... Well, it's like America. America designed a nuclear weapon and decided no one else could have them. <laughs> but here's a very strange thing. It seems like it's outside of his character arc. I said it. I said the name of the... And, uh, for Tony Stark because... Okay, let me let me let me do. Well, that's my point. Even him making them for himself. Like, if you actually, if you actually reformed yourself, you would stop making them all together, and you'd you'd even for yourself, and you would spend all of your billions of dollars on converting the rest of the world to that mindset. You wouldn't just make increasingly more devastating weapons that only you're allowed to have, because in all of the Iron Mans, in all of the Avengers, and in this movie, even when he's dead. Other people get their hands on them all the time. But that's part of his character flaw, right? So, But the thing is, what I was about to make, I was going to draw on the comparison between a shitload of drones and the ability to make a new suit. Which do you think would be a better fit to give... To give to Spider-Man? As a gift. Probably the suit thing. Probably the suit. Because this... He gave drones, a 16-year-old child a world-ending power. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> I mean, it, to Peter's credit, he did kind of realize he wasn't responsible enough right. for this power. But in being, but what he didn't know is that he was even too irresponsible to give it away. <laughs> and this is my point. Even in Tony Stark's character, for him to have created that and give it... It doesn't make any sense for after everything he's gone through. Yeah. Where were the drones in Endgame? Right. Huh? They huh? would have been useful. That could have been super useful. Where were they then? Huh? Huh? They, <laughs> they weren't there. Well, when did he make them? Because Spider-Man would have been gone for the last five years. Five years. And I believe he retired to have uh, you know, a family out in the He designed the them in the woods and was like, yeah. someday. No, because he, did, he didn't think he was ever going to bring them back. He... Right. So when was it made? Yeah. That's Question a problem. listeners. Listeners. Answer this question. When did Tony Stark make that giant satellite carrying all the drones orbiting space? That allows orbiting us to space, jump on Earth. to jump on the the ways that this movie connects to Endgame and how it seems to at the beginning disagree with how Endgame worked. In Endgame, not in Endgame, but in Infinity War when he snaps, and then in Endgame we see that it's been five years and the people have been gone, the half of the population has been gone. At the end of Endgame, they use the Infinity Gauntlet to bring back, bring the people back, but it's a very important set of rules that Tony Stark especially sets forth, which is that we don't go back in time, we don't change the reality in the sense of like, we don't go back in time, they don't move, they don't come back any different, we don't change. All it is is they come back from when they were to now. So it's as if those people disappeared a minute ago to them. To them, only like a minute has passed. But it's been five years, so the world has changed. This movie suggests, in the way that it talks about it, that they aged five years, but the world has stayed the same. Because every time they... Yeah, every time... Yeah, okay. So it's weird how they described it in this movie, because it seems like the people who survived, I I will say survived, the blip, as they describe it in this movie, which is the snap, is that they describe those characters who did not get blipped away to to be them. Right. Uh, this it doesn't make it doesn't yeah. make sense. It's 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 almost like this movie was written before Endgame was finished, which it might have been because they're released a couple months apart. And like someone at Marvel was like, "Yeah, this is how it's going to happen," but then it kind of changed in Endgame. 
But no, because this would have been set up when Infinity War was released. I, I think it was just badly written dialogue. Okay. Like, I chalk it up to that. Because Although I will give it that one of the better jokes in the movie is when it shows video footage of people coming back into existence and they yeah. just kind of appear where they were and the one kid gets hit with a basketball. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That was great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't like the way they, they were describing it because, like, Ned described Brad as being being blipped away and coming back five years older. Right, which doesn't make any sense. Right. Maybe, I guess, if you see it as in the way of their perspective, because to them, nothing happened. Because you, as you just described, but they it only felt even, like a minute passed. They shouldn't even be older, though. They should just be they're, the no, same. No, no, no. They're, they're not. So Ned, Pete, uh, MJ, they got blipped away. In their perspective, only a minute has passed. Right. So when the blip finished and they came back, they think the blip affected everyone else and changing everyone five years older. But in objectively describing it, they were the ones that were blipped away. Okay, so it's taken from the other perspective, but it still doesn't it's make any sense though, because when they say th- it. that class wouldn't be the same class. No. Because the people who were there wouldn't be at that high school anymore. Well, that's what they were just describing. I think everyone in that class got blipped away. Everyone did. Everyone did. Okay. And then they come back, and Brad, who was this kid, is now in their group. That's level. why it didn't make sense to me, because everyone in their group was blipped away. So, because the, the line where she's like, he's not really 21, he was blipped, didn't make any sense to me, because it's like. So that's because his ID card says an age, but in reality, yes, okay, yeah, they could have described it better because it made it. Because I, I, I even asked you even when the movie was over, like, did I misunderstand this? Because I don't. It sounds like it doesn't. It doesn't match with Endgame, but I. Do, I also wasn't confident that it didn't. It's you're right. It's the language they used to talk about it, right. and they could have been way clearer, or they could have had someone not in the class describe it. Yeah. Or they could have just reworked the language. Like, when we were blipped away, he was this stupid little shit. Right. We come back, now he's got fucking six packs. Six packs. Six pack. Just one. Six pack. <laughs> so they, if they had just, just reworked the dialogue a little bit, they could have... It could have Everything could still just be described the same way. The, everything yeah, it was, it was just un. The the movie created a problem for itself by yeah. describing it in a confusing way. But yeah. it actually it does make sense. It's just it, yeah, it wasn't just a one off. It wasn't just Ned who described that. It was also yeah. the teacher. I forget his name. Um, the guy was in Freaks and Geeks. Uh, yeah. He because he said when the blip happened, he did it for his wife. So that means he didn't. He get didn't get blipped away. away yeah. Which that's fine. A teacher would still be there, right? Uh, yeah, that, that was that was a nice. <laughs> had a funeral for her and everything, which she just went away with this other guy. We had a, a, a fake funeral. Oh, the funeral was real because we thought she died. But do you want to see a video? Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, yeah, I don't know. See, uh, I wish there was more of Shazam-level joking and the humor because there was there was a certain weight to it and i think that's what made it good i think with this one with the jokes the humor it was more around the lines of safe yeah i don't i don't have a problem with the movie wasn't laugh out loud hilarious all the time except for the fact that i got the impression that the movie wanted to be right yeah it totally did and i want to touch upon two things i don't want to touch this but um two points the double entendres it was tied around his web shooter the new suit yeah that's a dead giveaway. And then the other one was his Peter Tingle, which if you were to think about it is Dick Tingle. 
<laughs> right? He's going by his. He's thinking with his dick. There, yeah. I mean, and I mean, they're they're yeah, they're double entendres that are. It's just kind of they're they're just not they're that just, funny. Yeah, they're, they're just, not that they're, funny. They're kind of. But they're a little bit. That's where that's where I think they're pushing the. They're not. I mean, the envelope isn't really being pushed, but they're just like they're just kind of touching it. It comes off as it kind of like an eleven-year-old sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, I think the first time they said Peter Tingle was like, it's like, eh. but then they keep saying it for they some reason, as if it. as if it'll get funnier. Yeah. It's like no, it was it was amusing the first time. Now you're just overusing it. Because it kind of makes sense in that scene. It was it was very organic for her to mm-hmm. say that. And now for it to continue. And this is, okay, so this is, again, with the whole not saying things that should be said. Why would they not, why would he just not say spider sense? Right. Right? I've got a sixth sense. Uh, and then he could have just gone into that line. A spider sense. I mean, it would have made sense and because he, he, because he didn't sense. like it being called that. Could've it would have made, made perfect sense for him to have named it something by the end of the movie. Yeah. Right? He could even, like, he could have made a face after he said that, like, what, what, why? Okay, yeah, we'll just go with it. Because honestly, I, I think you would prefer Spider-Sense over Peter Tingle. I would prefer Peter Tingle. Okay. But that's because I would embrace the ridiculousness. <laughs> the if tingles. I had superpowers, they'd all have dumb names. <laughs> if I had laser eyes, they'd be called my dick blasts. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got that. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, so... Uh, Favorite scene, I guess. I mean, I already revealed it because we yeah. were talking about the special effects, and we, we hit on the Spidey sense thing earlier in the earlier in the talk. But I, I guess I think that's one of my favorite, certainly action sequences in any Marvel movie ever. I think once, once he's in that illusion, and his Spidey sense goes off, and then he just runs through it, just owning all of those uh, drones, and then even that scene culminates in him you know, reaching out to the side and stopping the gun from shooting him in the head. It's such a satisfying scene because you know it's a struggle he's had this whole time, both with using his powers and also the confidence in who he is and whether he's worthy of the of this role. That it works not only is it a cool looking action sequence, like that is badass when it goes all matrix and he cuts through the drones, but it's coupled with being an actual climax and actual like the the most poignant part of the movie in relation to his character it's gonna be kind of hard for me but i'll say everything from the midpoint forward i just i really liked Mm because i felt like that's when they turned it up a notch uh in the beginning it kind of meandered oh i just got reminded of a really weird sequence so in the scene where he's hopping on the logs and he's like in venice yeah yeah and he's like he says something like not on my watch and he goes over there and when he gets to the bridge, there's essentially no one there. He's like, oh, you you tripped over? I got you. He was already on his way out, right? <laughs> so he really just hopped over everything to just get to no one. Like, what what were you going to do? Right. You know? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of what Peter does in that whole sequence is kind of illogical. He spends a lot of his time propping up the buildings, which... Yes. He's not saving the buildings. Not, they're gonna they're broken no matter what. And the I mean maybe he's saving maybe saving them dropping out a person at a moment, but he spends so much time keeping a tower up, the people aren't under it anymore. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. That that entire sequence, it just seemed like a lot of what he was doing had it wasn't no, helping. It wasn't helping. <laughs> yeah. Right? He could have just let that go. I think if they had included shots of people being in danger of yeah, like being helped. in the way, 
that would have been an instant solve. And I agree with what you said. I, the second half of the movie, I enjoyed a lot more when the action had more stakes and made more sense. And I think that's one of the reasons that first, well, there's, I already said the teenage stuff, I agree, the beginning of the movie just yeah. didn't really get me in. And then that, even that first action sequence, because of what you kind of just described, mm-hmm. it also didn't get me in. There's but, nothing. Yeah. But by the next time, I was more into it, for sure. I do have a lot of, I can think of three sequences. That sequence within the building where he's in the, the illusion, I really love that. Despite, I know I just made a comment about how it looked kind of fabricated. Mm-hmm. Despite that, I absolutely love that scene. That I, It was just like everything, all of his doubt, t- like hitting upon his fears and his, his worries and his self-confidence, that kind of thing. Just like everything was hitting him in all fronts. And none of it was, well, not none of it. There were some physical blows but a lot of it was more mental Mm -hmm. right and i i just i really love that aspect and then the scene where he's talking with happy it's a very emotional scene i think fantastic and then following that the corridor scene obviously great you already hit up on those points but everything on the bridge it just felt like he was getting so battered when he swung when he swung to one side and bounced off of the suspension cable he was set on fire he was getting hit by every other drone but he just kind of like, he just reoriented himself and just continued on. Oh, it, was, oh, it really pulled me in. It was so good. I mentioned the the change for me, which would have been in when they were in Venice. Change that. Make a spider tingle sound. And what about you? Any changes? Not 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 really in the sense that, yeah, that, that Venice scene, I would, I would try to, try to prove try to show that he's assisting in some way and that he's trying to prevent something from happening or helping more with Mysterio I do think I know that I, I mean I know I didn't come off strikingly positive in the movie when I started but I do like the movie I don't think there's anything I don't think there's much of anything wrong with it my problem was more it's just the either put give me more of Tony Stark at the beginning or more not more of Tony Stark as a character in the movie but connects more of his decisions to that morning that he's experiencing so that I'm not just left with the teenager stuff. And again, I don't think the teenager stuff is done poorly. I just can't myself connect to it anymore. Right. Sorry, I was fanboying up uh, with those points. Yes, because I mentioned that earlier. I felt like I wanted him to have more of that. I wanted to see more of that struggle with uh, dealing with the loss of Tony uh, mentor, loved one. Now he also has to step up, but he doesn't really want to. He's a little bit, some form of PTSD, mm-hmm. because yeah. as a sixteen-year-old going through all of that shit, and now coming out on the other end, yeah, of course you're not going to want to do it. So there's like some sort of aversion, mm-hmm. and I wish they kind of went with that, but I think they dialed it down and made it more teenage, yeah, uh, drama kind of stuff. So ready to close this down? Absolutely. Yes, we went a long time for this. So, on to bastardized movie plots. What I said last week, after watching yesterday, in the same vein of that genre, I had said, hipster writer moves to hipster village for hipster life and ends up sweet-talking an aspiring actress into tricking a dignitary for money, ultimately leading to her death. Richard, do you remember what the movie I was saying? You were talking about Moulin Rouge. That's right, Moulin Rouge. Now I've got another one for you. This one should be relatively easy. As it's a superhero movie, it might be pretty easy to figure out. So here's this week's. Bro, bro, Brosif, 
goes on vacation eating humble pie only to realize he's a total bro. I know what it is. Do you know what it is? Then you should comment on Facebook, SoundCloud, on our website, characterarc.net. Or you can outreach us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm just kidding, kicking those things up right now. But any which way, we thank you very much for listening to the Character Arc Podcast. My name is Richard. My name is Ted. Let us know what you think about the Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. Anything we missed in terms of weird scenes or what are your favorite scenes, all of it. Please like and subscribe. Um, you can follow us, uh, or you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks, nice. guys.